0: Welcome to All Things Billy, the podcast. It's me, your host, Michael Anthony Judasisi, and thank you for being here with me yet again for another wonderful romp through the world of Billy the Kid. (laughs) So uh, last time, episode three, we talked about the 10 things that young guns got wrong, and there are actually 11, and there's actually probably 50 of them. Which people did point out you know in the comments and social media, etc. But uh, aside from that, I decided to take a look at Young Guns Two. And so today's episode is the 10 things Young Guns Two got wrong. And uh, two things, first of all, there's way more than 10 things that the film got wrong. And the second thing is I have more than 10. I have 12. Just because I got to 10 and I thought, well, there's a couple more here that are pretty important, so we're going to talk about uh, all of them today. But I do want to reiterate, Young Guns, Young Guns 2, great films, Entertain Movies are for entertainment, okay? Make you feel something, make you laugh, make you cry, make you sad, make you whatever. Documentaries are for learning. And so if you get all, you know, bent out of shape because a movie's got things wrong with it, then... Don't go, Don't watch any movies. Do something else. Uh, you know, go to the documentary channel or something like that, and you'll have uh, less frustration that way. No movie is ever going to follow its its real life counterpart, note for note. Uh, I've talked to my friend Joseph a couple of times over the last few days, he's writing the quintessential honest to goodness, Billy, the kid script. But I think even Joseph is finding it. It's pretty hard because there's, there's just hours and days and weeks of time where you don't know what somebody did. You don't know how they spoke. You don't know, you know, what they ate for breakfast. And so those kind of things, you got to fill in on your own. And as soon as you go into that area, That slippery slope of, hey, well, this isn't exactly real anymore, Uh, happens. So anyway, we'll uh, look anxiously for Joseph's movie. I'm not sure what the title is, actually. I don't know what he decided on, but we'll find out. But anyway, today's podcast, the 10 things Young Guns 2 got wrong. Well, let's get to it. All right. First things first, uh, Brushy Bill in the movie... Uh, the guy who says he's Brushy Bill Roberts, Emilio Estevez and the, you know, latex aged makeup. Um, he has contacted an attorney in, at the beginning of the movie and he's out there. It looks like he's at the edge of White Sands or something. And the attorney drives up. Are you Mr. Roberts? You got in touch with us, blah, blah, blah. Um, that didn't, that never happened. Brushy Bill, uh, according to you know, all of the information uh, that we got, never uh, reached out to any legal professional looking for help. Brushy Bill lived uh, a a relatively quiet life of anonymity, or he didn't. Um, He may have been proclaiming he was Billy the Kid back in the 1890s and early 1900s, et cetera. But but there's absolutely zero record of him reaching out, especially to William Morrison, who wound up being his attorney. So that part where he he summoned the the attorney to come and help him get a, an appointment with the governor absolutely never happened. What supposedly happened is that Morrison, who was a, a probate uh, off a probate court officer, um, uh, got assigned to this case of a guy named Joe Hines in Florida. And Joe Hines was claiming the brother, uh, the property of his brother somewhere in, I don't know, the Dakotas or something like that. Morrison was assigned to it, started talking to this guy, Joe Hines, who said that Billy the Kid is still alive and he's living in Heiko, Texas, and so on and so forth. Um, there There isn't any uh, Florida record in a probate case for Joe Hines, by the way. So whether that happened or not, we don't know. Uh, But somehow Morrison got on the trail of Brushy Bill Roberts. But Brushy Bill did not chase him down looking for legal representation. So that's the first thing that Young Guns 2 got wrong. Let's move on to point number two. Um, In the movie, uh, early in the movie, you see uh, Billy laying there and Pat as if they're dead and then these guys come up and they're going to cut his trigger finger off. And, um, you know, they're, they're, they are they're got the drop on Billy the Kid. And then, of course, Billy opens his eyes. He kills the guy and blah, blah, blah. You, you remember the scene. And it shows that uh, Billy says, by this time, uh, Pat Garrett was riding with me. There are uh, zero records of, uh, well, I guess you, <laughs> you have to define what you call riding together, but there's no records of Billy the Kid and Pat Garrett riding together, stealing livestock, horses, and cows. Um, There are certainly many records of people either accusing um, or, you know, swearing out a complaint for Billy stealing uh, cattle, but not together with Pat Garrett. Not at any time could I find anything to do with that. Now, Billy and Pat Garrett had to know each other. They were in and around Fort Sumner at the same time. And so... How deep their friendship went, we honestly don't know. But it appears that they were probably more casual friends. Remember, Garrett's at a much different uh kind of uh, station in life. He's married for the second time. His first wife died, I don't know, a couple of weeks after after uh mm-hmm. their marriage. Uh, but uh, and Garrett gets married again. Garrett's at least 10 years, 12 years older. He's married for the second time. Billy's a young guy you know, traveling the countryside, stealing what he needs to survive, those kind of things. So there, it doesn't seem like they would have been really close friends, but Billy and Charlie Bowdry were really close friends, and Charlie was 11, 12, 13 years older than Billy, and he was married, so it could be, but there's just not any record of, he and Garrett riding together with the rest of uh, their uh, their gang, and uh, you know, stirring up trouble around the uh, southwestern or southeastern New Mexico area. Point number three that Young Guns two got wrong: uh, the governor did not send Pinkerton's agents or. U.S. Marshals around the country rounding up anyone that had anything to do with the Lincoln County War. That definitely did not happen. In fact, uh, Governor uh, Wallace offered amnesty to uh, those who were, um, gosh, it may have been Axtel. I I, I need to check that. Axtel, I think it was Wallace, offered amnesty, general amnesty to anyone who would uh, essentially say, hey, we're done. We're not going to fight anymore. And the only preclusion from that was if you had been indicted prior to that governor's proclamation for a specific crime, which obviously Billy was. He was indicted for the murder of Brady. Uh, and Charlie Bowdrey had been indicted for the killing of Buckshot Roberts before that amnesty plea. So uh, th- there was no like a worldwide or countrywide roundup. And they definitely didn't go to New York while Doc Skerlock was teaching school. And the word wobbly, um, that that just absolutely uh, never, never happened. Um, Almost everybody involved in the Lincoln County War just kind of walked away from it once there was nothing left to fight for. And there wasn't at the end of the five-day battle of Lincoln. You know, Dolan's uh, business was in deep financial trouble, which is the reason why he was trying to get the $10,000 Fritz insurance policy in the first place. Uh, Tunstall obviously was dead. McSween was dead. Um, so there really was very little left for anybody to fight for other than grudges, which people did hold. But uh, by and large, most of those guys went their own way. Um, and so uh, speaking of Doc Skerlock, we'll move on to point number four of what Young Guns 2 got wrong. Doc Skerlock was never a school teacher in the city of New York, and he was not dragged back to Lincoln to be tried, thrown in the pit, Uh, although Lincoln did have a pit jail, which is a big hole in the ground with a bunch of logs over the top of it. uh, That definitely did not happen. Um, After the Lincoln County War, And when, uh, you know, the Billy took over what was left of the regulators, Doc went to Fort Sumner, got his wife and moved to Texas. And Doc moved uh, throughout Texas a few times, but ultimately had 10 kids. He died in 1929 at the age of 80 years old. So, uh, which will bring us to another one of our points. The movie got wrong soon, but, uh, there, uh, definitely was, uh, not a, uh, Uh, a roundup in New York and Doc being pulled out of a school building. He was never a teacher there. If he ever traveled to New York, it's escaped the historical records. Um, And he uh, died uh, and is buried in Eastland, Texas. And uh, the uh, interesting thing about Doc Skurlock was he seemed to either have been embarrassed or probably more... um, Hmm. What's the word I'm looking for? Maybe just uh, maybe he he feared that he would be tried for whatever some of his crimes were. And so he never spoke about the Lincoln County War after he left New Mexico. Uh, People certainly attempted to ask him about it, but he wanted nothing to do with discussing it, didn't talk about Billy the Kid. And Doc got rid of all of his guns when he was in Texas. Uh, He kept only a shotgun by report of his family for hunting. But got rid of all the rest of his guns and went on to leave a very, um, uh, you know, productive life. Uh, I mean, productive. He had ten kids. so That's a lot of production. Uh, but uh, yeah, just to, you know, had had a good life. And those ten kids spawned many more kids. One of which is uh, my buddy Scott Skurlock, who'll join us one of these days. Scott's uh, you know recovering, and uh, once he's feeling better, we're going to get him here and talk to him about his family. So Doc Skirlock Never teaching, didn't get dragged back, thrown into a pit with Chavez, didn't have a bunch of horse crap thrown on their heads. That never happened. But interestingly enough, if you if you speak about it from a feature film perspective, again, I can see why the writer, John Fusco, I think it's Fusco, um, would do that, right? At the end of the first movie, they all went their separate ways. That was what the announcer said. Um, oh, by the way, <clears throat> at the end of Young Guns, When Billy's out there on the range and there's a mountain range behind him and the voiceover actor, um, I think it was Kiefer Sutherland, says, you know, Billy continued to ride, never leaving New Mexico, blah, blah, blah. Look in if memory serves the upper right-hand corner of the sky and you'll see the contrail from a jet going by. Um, There's a number of little things in that movie, uh, you know, where small mistakes were made, but that uh, that was pretty neat to see that. Okay. All right, so Doc, no New York. Point number five, Young Guns 2 got wrong. Dave Rudabaugh didn't ride with Doc Skerlock or Jose Chavez E. Chavez. By the time that Rudabaugh showed up, which would have been 79 into 80, um, Doc was long gone for Texas. And Chavez was long gone for a career as a law enforcement officer and then an outlaw and then a murderer and then being tried for and uh, sentenced to death and life in prison in a whole bunch of things. But the gang that Billy rode with, even though he said he was only for Billy and he was never the leader of any gang, he was the leader of a small gang of guys. Sure, absolutely he was. Uh, But uh, those two guys were certainly gone and when by the time Rudabaugh showed up. And so, uh, Dave Rudabaugh would not have had any altercation with Doc or Chavez. He wouldn't have stabbed Chavez, uh, you know, in the uh, in the arm when uh, he was trying to go uh, take uh, bones from a from a Native American burial ground. Like again, all that stuff just just made up out of complete and thin air. <laughs> Why? I don't know. But again, you've got to, if you're writing the film, you've got to make Rudabaugh an unlikable character, right? I mean, you've got to, he clearly, I mean, even in real life, I think he was kind of an unlikable guy, Uh, but you've got to make him unlikable. So even the people that are tasked with being his friends, his gang riding along with him, who they both, they need each other for protection, they can't like him. And so uh, as a writer, you make Rudabaugh as unlikable as possible and uh and uh, John Fusco did that uh did that really well. So point number 5, Young Guns 2 got wrong. All right, number 6. Things that Young Guns 2 got wrong. And this is a big one, but this one really couldn't be avoided for a couple reasons. Um in the movie, the uh the gang Billy's gang is trapped in a rock house in I would assume it's Stinking Springs. I don't really remember that they mentioned that in the movie. And uh, what happens is that uh, uh, Billy and Doc are having an argument, and Doc says, you know, I'm out of here, and he walks out, and then Pat Garrett shoots him, and he stumbles back into the house, fatally shot. Well, that didn't happen to Doc, as we know, since he lived to be 80 years old. That actually happened to Charlie Bowdrey, the problem is in Young Guns 1, they killed old Charlie off at the end of the first movie, um, at the end of the five-day battle. And so I don't know if there was any way to resurrect him and bring him back <laughs> into the fold to be killed again by Garrett. So uh, there there really wasn't a choice there. And uh, if you read up on the movie, Kiefer Sutherland had something, another film going on. He said he would only do the film if... He could be the one killed in that scene. I don't know what else they were planning. Maybe they would introduce a completely different regulator to be shot. But Kiefer, you know, he he had limited time. So he said, I'll do it. But, you know, you got to kill me in that scene and get me out of there. And, uh, and so eventually that's what they decided to do. But what had really happened, really happened on December 23rd, 1880, is Billy and his gang were absolutely in the old rock house at Stinking Springs. It was pretty well known. I think it's about 15 miles to the south and east of old Fort Sumner. And the, uh, the, because it had snowed and there was bright moonlight, the posse that was chasing them had a very easy time tracking their you know their horse prints, <laughs> I guess you'd call them, footprints, hoof prints, um, to the rock house. And there wasn't a bunch of other places that you would go on a really cold night with snow on the ground. And so the posse got there. Pat Garrett set his men up and essentially said, you know, if I see the kid, I'm going to shoot him dead. And I think the others will give up. Uh, and it was about preservation, right? I, I, I kill the kid, and we don't have to shoot it out with five or six guys for hours and have some of my men shot if I'm Garrett. Um, so what happens is Charlie Bowdry comes out and he's wearing a uh, Mexican sombrero, much like the kid wore. Maybe it even was Billy's. Who knows? Nobody knows. Uh, and he gets shot because Garrett assumes that that's Billy. Uh, Charlie staggers back in the house. And uh, Billy eventually says, Hey, you know what? Charlie wants to come out. And he tells Charlie, You can get some of them before you die. Charlie staggers out with his gun kind of limply in his hand and says, I wish, I wish. And he dies right there. And they lay his body down on a blanket. <clears throat> so it's not. Uh, Kiefer Sutherland or Doc Skerlock. it's Charlie Bowdry. It's not in, you know, during the uh, bright daylight. It is very early morning and there's snow on the ground. It is the middle of winter and there's, you know, pretty s- severe and serious uh, snowstorm that has moved through uh, Fort Sumner then. But as, you know, the writer of the movie, there's nothing you can do. You've already killed off the guy that was supposed to die. And so you got to find somebody else to stand in. Uh, but at least from that standpoint, you know, what happened next? You know, let's finish the game. Well, that didn't that didn't really happen either. Billy and his guys didn't try to shoot their way out. They eventually realized they were not going to get away, and they gave themselves up. So that's point number six that old Young Guns 2 got wrong. All right, before we move on, I want to... Uh, Make this very short, shameless self promotion. <laughs> I started uh, writing a movie and then a book and then a TV series called Back to Billy about a modern day guy that becomes fascinated with Billy the Kid. And he winds up traveling back in time to Lincoln <clears throat> just on the outset of the Lincoln County War. And he gets back there for the first time, He's amazed to find out that everybody already knows him. And he's got a girl there, woman, who's chasing him down and madly in love with him. And he's got friends and he's got enemies and he's got a whole life that he knows nothing about. But he can't stay. He keeps bouncing back and forth, present time to past, back and forth, sometimes on purpose, sometimes accidentally. So Back to Billy uh, was my first ever novel. Uh, Once I finished it, I decided it would become a trilogy, and the trilogy has now reached six books, (laughs) but I'm done. Book six will be released in a couple months, and it's all over. But the first five books are available on my website, which is at www.mankindpro.com. Back to Billy, 1877. Sunset in Sumner, Bonnie and Tibbs, the Lost Years, and then the most recent one, one week in Lincoln. So, if you uh, if you'd like to go back in time and and you think it'd be cool to uh, ride alongside the kid and the regulators, and you think you could change anything that happened, I think you'll like the books. Give them a try. Thanks. All right, let's move on. So, point number seven, Young Guns two got wrong Uh, in the movie. Tom Folliard or O Folliard. I'm going to go with Folliard. is shown as this really young kind of wimpy kid from Pennsylvania, the Prince of Pennsylvania, Billy calls him at one point. Uh, and uh, he's eating out eating of beaver smith's ash cans and he's just hanging around because he found a dime novel on Billy and uh, he wants to be part of his gang. And because Billy winds up being short on gang members, he winds up taking the kid on. Well, that's not exactly the Tom Folliard that history knows. You know, Tom definitely was younger than Billy, probably by a year or two, although we're not real sure, since we don't really know how old Billy was. Um, uh, Tom was physically imposing over six foot tall. He was called Bigfoot Tom O'Falliard, And uh, so in, in that regard, even though he was younger than Billy and definitely his subordinate, he was a much bigger man than him Uh uh, physically. And then, uh, you see in, the, in the young guns too, where Pat Garrett takes a shot <clears throat> and says, I got him, I got him. Thinks he killed Billy the kid. And they go over and they see it's this little kid, Tom Folliard. And, uh, one of the deputies, I think it's post says, take your medicine, son. Well, that's not exactly the way it happened. It didn't happen during broad daylight. Didn't happen out on the, out on the plains. Uh, Tom Folliard shot and killed by Garrett or a member of this posse december 19th 1880 outside of the old fort sumner hospital building and that's where uh, garrett and his men had put up for the night somebody who was scouting uh, said that there were some horsemen coming in and garrett said something along the lines of none but the men we want are riding at this time of night it was night it was snow it was bright moonlight Um, follyard was up near the front of the group uh, when they rode towards the hospital building uh, Garrett yelled for the men to put their hands up. Folliard went for his gun. He was gut shot, and uh, eventually, sell, you know, said, "Hey, I'm 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 killed. You know, don't don't shoot again." Um, if probably if he'd known, I think he lived for another forty five minutes, which is pretty agonizing. Uh, I would guess with a gunshot to the gut. Uh, if probably if he would have known how long he would have lived and how painful it would have been, he would have told them to finish him off, uh, but he didn't. And so Tom Folliard killed December 19th. He's the first one of Billy's pals uh, that he's buried next to killed. And then just four days later, of course, Charlie Bowdrey um, killed December 23rd, 1880. Two days before Christmas. Merry freaking Christmas, Charlie. Um, and so uh, there you go. Uh, you know, we talked about Billy's age and you know, twenty-one and he killed one man for every year of his life. Well, that's not true, or at least there's no historical proof of that. Um, we know for sure that uh Billy uh killed Joe Grant, uh he killed Bob Ollinger. he killed J.W. Bill, and he killed Wendy Cahill. There uh, there were witnesses uh, to all of those. And so we know that. Uh we know he took part in the killing of Brady, although he's credited with firing at Hindman, I believe. Um he almost definitely took part in the killing of Morton Baker. Maybe McCloskey. We don't really know what happened exactly back then. Uh, James Carlyle, uh, maybe, and uh, you know. So you start to add it up, and it's you know eight or nine people that he may have killed. I mean, that's hey, that that's murder, right? Yeah, some of them were self defense and all, but I'm not trying to I'm trying to lighten the sentence. I'm just saying he did not kill 21 years one for every man of his life, and we don't even know that he was 21 years old. The 1880 Lincoln County Census has William H. Bonney as a cowhand working at the Yerby Ranch aged 25, aged 25. Now, of course, here's the thing with the census takers, you don't know. Was Billy there to answer those questions? Did somebody at the ranch answer those? Did Billy answer them and intentionally make himself older or younger or whatever? We just don't know, and we'll probably never know that, but the one documented thing we have with his actual age on it is that 1880 census where he says he's 25. There hasn't been no birth certificate that's found. I know there's uh, research ongoing, and there's lots of potential things, but uh, 21 men, 21 years, no, not so. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, Point number eight, that young guns got wrong. Billy was tried in Mesilla, uh, New Mexico. Uh, What happened after he was captured at Stinking Springs? Springs, He was taken to Santa Fe. He was in prison near the governor's mansion. He wrote a bunch of letters to the governor, Governor Wallace, to come and help him. Wallace basically ignored the guy. And uh, Billy was shipped to Mesilla to be tried for the murder of Buckshot Roberts and then Brady. Buckshot Roberts was a federal charge uh, because it was assumed that the uh, Blazers Mills was on federal land. It was not. And so Billy's attorney was able to have that charge dismissed for lack of jurisdiction. Now, just because a charge is dismissed doesn't mean it won't be refiled. So let's assume that Billy got off for the murder of Brady well, if somebody Reinerson, really wanted to push Rein- Reinerson, really wanted to push, uh, you know, Billy to the wall, they could have refiled the charge of murder for Buckshot Roberts at Blazer's Mills as a territorial charge, right? So they could have still arrested him. They probably could have filed it right away, but. Uh, because of that lack of jurisdiction, they just moved on to the territorial charge of killing Brady, of which he was found guilty and, uh, sentenced to hang. In the movie, you see, uh, Billy, uh, asked if he wants to say anything on his behalf and, uh, the judge says he'll be hanged by the neck till he be dead, dead, dead. And Billy says, and you can go to hell, 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 you know, and the courtroom erupts. Uh, That never happened. Billy did not testify in his own defense, did not say anything in his own defense, and said nothing when the sentence was handed down. I think he probably knew by that point what was coming. I don't think there was any surprise that he was going to be found uh, guilty of that charge. And uh, probably at that point, he was already thinking about how he was going to get away, how he was going to escape and how he was going to avoid the hangman. So Billy never said, you can go to hell, hell, hell. That's thing number eight, Young Guns 2 got wrong. All right, point number nine, you uh, all remember Billy's escape from the Lincoln County courthouse when he kills bell and then goes to the window and says, hello, Bob. And then shoots Bob Olinger with 18 dimes that Bob had packed himself that morning in the gun. Well, there's lots of, (laughs) there's lots there that could be fixed, but the one thing is where did Billy get the gun that he killed bell with in the movie, a young lady, I think it's Paulita Maxwell, uh, comes in to visit Billy and she hands him a, uh, a slip of paper that says outhouse. And that's the signal that there'll be a gun there. That may, I don't know. There's no record of Paulita to Maxwell, uh, visiting Billy and Lincoln. That's for certain. But, uh, was there a gun in the outhouse? Did it, was it planted there for him? And was there some way that he knew that it was there and he'd be able to retrieve it and use it in his escape well there's no conclusive proof of that okay the other two options are that billy somehow wrestled bell's own pistol away from him and that he used bell's pistol to kill the man or the other theory is that he Got up the stairs quicker, sprinted up that back stairway in the courthouse, leaned into the uh, armory door and armed himself with a pistol at that point. And so we don't know because the only two witnesses to that are dead. <laughs> One of them was dead you know very shortly after he stumbled down the staircase and fell into the arms of Godfrey Goss and that was J.W. Bell. and the second witness was Billy, and he never divulged how he killed Bell or how he got the gun to kill Bell, although he did express some regret that he did not want to kill Bell. Bell treated him genuinely, uh, nicely, and fairly, and humanely. Well, by all accounts, Olinger did not. So where did the gun come from? I don't think Paulita e. Maxwell stuck it in the outhouse and you know told Billy to go get it. Uh, but the answer is we don't know. So what the movie showed was one of three legitimate possibilities. Point number 10, 10 things that Young Guns 2 got wrong. Um, when you see the night where when Billy uh, is, he probably escapes, I guess, is the inference there uh, from Pat Garrett's bullets. And that there's a big celebration going on outside. There's music, and there's fireworks, and there's lights, and there's girls, and there, you know, the whole thing. Um, there's no report that anything like that was going on at Fort Sumner on the night of 14 July, 1881. Now there is some testimony and some recollections that Billy was at a dance somewhere else outside of Fort Sumner and then came back to town. Brushy Bill certainly said that he had been out of town and had come uh, back later on. And that's when he and Billy Barlow sat down in, uh, uh, Jesus Silva's house and, you know, all the other things that went on there. Um, but there was no big celebration going on at the time. And in fact, Garrett, as he snuck into the peach orchard, found, uh, Fort Sumner relatively quiet. Um, only two people, uh, essentially having sex in the peach orchard, you know, within earshot of where he and his deputies were, uh, marred the, uh, you know, the otherwise, you know, pretty peaceful night. So when you see the big celebration and Billy says, uh, well, we'll wait till uh, point number 11 for that. That's point number 10. So we reached point number 10, but there's two bonus points of the things Young Guns 2 got wrong. And uh, you probably could come up with 20 more, but these are the ones that came to mind pretty quickly. Point number 11, uh, no one ever testified that there was such a dramatic exchange between Pat Garrett and Billy before Billy either got killed or escaped in Maxwell's bedroom. In the movie, there's this, uh, you're going to shoot me, Pat? Yeah, I, I always said, if I love someone, there's nothing I would fail to do with them. And he turns his back so Pat can shoot him in the back. And, you know, Pat, you crazy son of a bitch. And then a gun goes off and you're not really sure what happens. Well, nobody ever testified to that. Garrett says that uh, uh, Bonnie walks in. He says, Pete, who are those guys on the porch? Pete yells out, that's him, to Garrett, meaning that's Billy. Garrett doesn't say a word. Billy says, Key and S. Key and S. As he backs away, and Garrett shoots twice. First shot taking effect somewhere just above or below the heart, and the kid's dead pretty shortly after he hits the floor. Brushy Bill says that he's never even in the Maxwell house. Uh, that Billy Barlow is, he's shot dead on the porch or in the bedroom. And then uh, Garrett, and his, as Brushy, rushes out to, uh, to uh, either save or avenge his friend, he gets in this furious gun battle uh, with uh, Poe, McKinney, and Garrett, <clears throat> and Brushy's shot three times. So he never speaks to Garrett. So he certainly never testified to that. And Miller never testified to any story, but the people that... Uh, our proponents of the Miller story say he was shot a couple of days beforehand in mysterious circumstances. No one seems to really know when, why, how, who, um, but the, I get the supposition is that it was Garrett, but again, no big dialogue. So that scene completely created just for the dramatic tension of Pat and Billy meeting for what would be no matter what the last time, whether Billy's dead or whether- he lives on as Brushy Bill Roberts. Those guys never see each other again. And so it makes Billy more human. It makes uh, Pat, uh, I don't know what it makes Pat out to be because you have to figure out what what happened. Did he kill him or not? So there you go, point number 11. And then bonus point number two, number 12, things that Young Guns 2 got wrong. At the end of the film, you see uh, Brushy, Chasing off his lawyer, he just kind of leaves and walks away, and uh, he threatens him. He's got the Colt on his hip, and he said, "You know, I killed twenty-one men. I might might kill one more uh, just for the just for the goddamn hell of it, or something like that." <laughs> uh, Brushy never chased off uh, William Morrison. Uh, Brushy needed Morrison and relied on him really right up until almost until his death. So the idea that, you know, Brushy somehow got irate because he was being questioned never happened. Brushy and Morrison traveled throughout New Mexico, looking at the old sites, visiting people, um, that, uh, he or Billy would have known <clears throat> back when, uh, back in the day or relatives of those people. And, um, the only, I, I, I don't know, because I'm, I'm, I'm not well schooled enough after the fact, but after Brushy met with uh, Governor Mabry, Mabry says, no, you know, I'm not going to offer you a pardon because I don't believe you're Billy the Kid. Brushy goes back to Heiko and three weeks later, he's dead. He dies of a heart attack uh, when he's out running an errand or something, mailing a letter, I think. Um, I don't know what the dialogue or conversation was between those guys in those three weeks or if there was even anything. I don't know if you know, Marson said, "Hey, we're going to try again, or keep your chin up, kid, or you know, <laughs> whatever it might be." But uh, at least up until the meeting with the governor, for certain, uh, Brushy needed his attorney, attorneys, and uh, and never chased them off or threatened to kill them just for the goddamn hell of it, as uh, as Brushy in the movie says. So there's the 12 things that Young Guns got wrong. Young Guns 2 got wrong. <laughs> um, so what do you think? There's going to be a Guns 3, apparently. Now, I am, again, a very, very barely professional filmmaker, um, but I know enough to know enough to know that there's no guarantee that that movie's ever going to be made. Um it's very very difficult these days getting a big film made because with COVID nobody wants to go to the theater. And so you, those big, you know, tentpole films, you know, Spider-Man No Way Home, well that one did great. But most of the other films that have been released in the last couple months have done terribly at the at the box office. And so you got to go right to streaming. And the problem with streaming is that it's really hard to capture somebody's attention because there are so many films. So if you go on, uh, Apple TV or you get your movies on Amazon or you watch Netflix or something, I mean, there's just so many different things to watch that to get people to tune into one thing, even with lots of promotion is difficult. And so since that's the case, it becomes harder and harder to get money. I think there's a pretty good built-in audience for Guns 3. Um, but uh, th- but I think there's just as much of a chance that it'll never get made as that it will. And uh, so I guess we'll see. Uh, Guns 3 will, uh, I mean, absolutely, it'll be the Brushy Bill story. It would have to be, right? Because the other movie took us right up to the point where uh, you know, Brushy says essentially, "Hey, I was Billy the Kid, and, and Garrett let me go." And so now you want to fill in all that time between July fifteenth, eighteen eighty-one, and Brushy's death in—gosh, uh, I don't even remember what month it was. It was probably uh, August or September of uh, nineteen fifty. You want to fill all that in. And uh, so I know Emilio Estevez has been to Heiko a couple times. He's been to the museum. He's talked to people. He's done some research. I think he's one of the writers on the film, along with Fusco, John Fusco. Um, so uh, I expect that they'll come up with a good script. It'll be interesting to see how they're going to incorporate who's ever left. Um, I think Chavez is dead. Uh, I mean, he died, right? He saw the spirit horse, and so that should be it. He should be gone. But do you really want to bring him back? Uh, he died, you know, before the whole brushy thing started. Um, you can't bring back Charlie or Doc. Uh, you can't bring. Back, I guess you could bring back Rudabaugh, although Rudabaugh was actually killed in 1886. Uh, we, we think he was killed in Mexico. So, what's the story going to be? Uh, Brushy had some fantastical tales of his life after Fort Sumner. I mean, just, you know, kind of incredible, like a forest Gumpian type of uh life that he lived, you know, being in all these important events uh all over the all over the country and all over the world. Um so there's lots there you could mine for a script. Um, so I guess we'll see. But when will we see it? Uh, where will we see it? Who'll be in it? Gosh, we just don't know. So we'll uh, we'll have to wait patiently. And when it comes out, then <laughs> can we have another episode of the 10 things that Guns 3 got wrong? I don't even know. I don't know if I know enough about that to uh, <laughs> to even be qualified. All right. So if you want to join the show, be a part of the action, you have any feedback, suggestions, advice, or just cruel internet bullying. You can reach me at BillyTheKidRidesAgain at gmail.com. Or you can follow the show on Twitter at B-T-K-Rides, R-A-D-E-S. You can leave a message there. Uh, You can comment. You can do whatever your Twitter heart desires. Or, of course, you can email. If you know of a great guest for the show, love to do some interviews here coming up, uh, please uh, shoot me an email. Let me know about that. That would be great too. And I appreciate you, uh, appreciate you listening. Hey, the show, uh, the audio of the show is now on YouTube. So if you prefer, for whatever reason, going uh, on YouTube, uh, by all means do that. It's just Michael Anthony Giudicisi. You can just look me up there. And uh, when you do, please hit the subscribe button. Actually, really, really important that uh, you subscribe. That'll get you the notification when a new episode comes out, but it's really, really helpful to me in building the audience and YouTube has a pretty legit, you know, million -million, multi-million person audience. So it would be great to be able to talk to more of them. And the more you subscribe, the more that helps push the show up in the, uh, uh, in the search results. So thank you for doing that. All right. So for this episode of all things, Billy, 10 things and more that Young Guns 2 got wrong. I'm your host, Michael Anthony judasisi I've done it four podcast episode in one week, the very first four. I got them all done in one week. Don't expect four a week. There's no way. I, I just, <laughs> there's not that many things to talk about, but there's, there's a couple things a month to talk about. There's some great interviews. There'll be more books and movies coming out. So we'll stay on top of it for you. But until then, you all have a great day. See ya, and I'll make you famous.
1: When I see her smiling Will the hand